Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The spread of misinformation has fueled our cultural divide and increased our collective anxiety about the future. Tackling misinformation isn't a simple task, but it's important. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Conspirituality, a podcast that's dismantling new age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy mad yogis. On the show, a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic walk into a bar and the bartender says, no, 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 it's not that old joke. They dive deep into current events such as RFK Jr.'s involvement in mainstreaming dangerous anti-vax rhetoric. They crowdsource, research, analyze, and dream up answers to the problem with, get this, proven science as their ultimate guiding light. I highly recommend you check out Conspirituality's fascinating episodes on creating comedy in the MAGAverse with Jordan Klepper or RFK Jr. flirting with body fascism. And you've listened to a bunch of them at this point, Paul, I know, and you tell me you love it. I, I do. They're, they're fascinating, and my favorite part is they use, wait for it, proven science. Science? And, and if, if there's any kids listening, that's a class we used to take. Proven yep. science as their ultimate guiding light. I love that. From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed about misinformation and help you resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, wait. I have news. You do? So I got sent this script for Paula today. It's by some really great writers, by the way. And guess what they call the code open? A teaser. I was waiting to hear that you have a friend uh, who works with the FBI and they're arresting Trump today. And it turns out that what you had to say was the cold open is called a teaser. Do you have any idea how <laughs> deflating that is? It's not It's not really news. No, I wouldn't call that news. Oh, sorry. I just thought maybe if we call it a teaser. Yeah. Would you guys be more comfortable with it. It doesn't make any sense that you would. No, it doesn't. doesn't matter what you call it. not change anything. <laughs> Paula, do you have a bowling ball you want to drop on your legs or something? Because <laughs> I'm bored. You know, it's, it's funny. It's funny, Adam, that you mentioned that because I have a tank of water oh, above good. my head right now. That sounds and, dangerous, delightfully. Uh, uh, what I was thinking is okay remember flash dance remember the famous dance i i have my tank is has more water than uh, that tro trollop had in it flash looks like dance. a very you shouldn't call her a trollop but that looks like a it's, very big tank yeah it's a huge tank of water and you can, can you see that shark do you see the shark now why would you go and do that um a grabber uh <laughs> Just a, so you're going to drop a tank of water with a shark in it on your head? Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, um, I'm just trying to get up my courage. Uh, yeah. Maybe it would uh, help if Vic queued up Maniac from Flashdance. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> I got 
got it. I got it. She's a maniac, maniac. Go, go. You know, oh may, my, maybe it would help oh if Vic queued up that song, Maniac. <laughs> it's good when Bonnie does it because then I really want a shark to land on my head. <laughs> Just to ease the pain. Okay, ready? Hold okay. on. Okay. One. No. Two. Oh, God. Three. Oh, well, get shit. that thing off your head. Shit. I, I, you know what? It's it's landed on the f- floor. Can you see it? It's, it's a, you know yeah. what? I got to hold. Uh, can we just take a break? I have to call animal control. Uh, I, All right. I don't know. Yeah, but for now, Paula, just drag, see if you can drag it to your bathroom and put it in the tub. I can't. Mickey Dolan's cat is in my bathroom. <laughs> oh. Okay, well, call animal control. We'll be here. Okay. How am I going to explain that I had a shark in my... Yeah, it's going to be... I smuggled it. That's how I got in here. I smuggled it. That's how you got it. Yeah, I was in Sacramento uh, a couple days ago, and uh, I just stuck it down my pants and walked right through, and nobody... (laughs) Yeah, that'll happen. All right, call Animal Control. Hey, everybody, we'll be right back. 20 minutes later. Wow, how'd that go with Animal Control, Paula? Oh, I just took the fifth the whole time. I just said, <laughs> they said, how'd it get here? I said, I'm taking the fifth. I said, I'm taking the fifth dimension. And then I said, oh. when the moon is in the, is seventh, in the house. seventh house. And yeah. I forget. And then they they just took it and left. So I, I want to encourage people that are guilty <laughs> of any kind of animal smuggling to just use. It's your right. To invoke the fifth dimension. <laughs> invoke the fifth dimension when animal control comes and asks how you yeah. get there. Gosh, you know what? We could probably convince Eric Trump that it's his right to invoke the fifth dimension. I would be shocked if he hasn't at some point in his career invoked the fifth dimension. <laughs> Aquarius. Uh, you guys, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to start the show. I am too. Let's do it. Cue the yeah. Starburns theme. I'll tell you something. Since we've been calling it a teaser, okay. it's gone so much more smoothly. Yeah, yeah. This was like butter. <laughs> Thank it God we got that news. That was such jaw-dropping <laughs> news. Do you remember where you were when Bonnie Burns burst in and told us that it, that sometimes they call it a teaser and not a cold open? Oh, my God. It's like Kennedy being shot. Of course I remember. <laughs> I was here. Maybe a teaser's, you know, more sophisticated. No, it higher isn't. quality. It, it isn't, no. and so we're rising to that. No, we're not we're rising. No, have you level. seen any rising? Is there any? Does it, anything that's been said sound like rising to you? Yeah, no, <laughs> same old quality. Although we did have a time lapse in this cold open, which is uh, yeah, that's a new thing for us. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> you know what I didn't tell you, Adam? What's that? Is it just when the shark fell off my head? Took off my left leg. And this is the third time, (laughs) the third time this year that my leg has been torn off during a cold open. This just is ridiculous. I think you win a prize if you get four. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, good luck with that reattachment. It's kind of old hat for you now to put the the leg in the the sink on ice and all that stuff. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's not a problem at all for me. (laughs) 
Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, they say there's no accounting for taste, but they probably didn't have a Pandora account, which accounts for all tastes. At least musical ones. I mean, I still don't understand why you bought that hideous couch. But Nolan Gasser, the brains behind Pandora's Music Genome Project, is here to tell us why we like what we like and to help Paula write her future number one smash Christmas song. And speaking of songs, you better stop, children. What's that sound? I'll tell you what that sound is. It's the controversial sound of a one-woman orchestra as we tune up for Mailbag Glockenspiel Edition. <laughs> I'm Adam Felber. This show's mid-tempo major key chorus, eternally bringing us back to that familiar, safe conversational space where everyone can sing along. And now, please welcome the woman whose siren song keeps drawing us ever nearer to the jagged rocks of incoherence and inanity. It's Paula Poundstone. Hey, you guys, who I haven't spoken to until now. Um... (laughs) And welcome back to our house band, Justin Berkobian on the toy piano. Oh, fabulous. Hey, Justin. I tell you, between the toy piano and the glockenspiel, our listeners are in for a treat tonight. Oh, yeah. It's a tonal jam. Um, Adam. Yes, Paula, what's new? I was walking through the airport the other day and going through the TSA, and uh, I have pre-check, right? You're schmancy. Well, the thing is, I go through the airport a lot, so it's worth it to me. But because it costs, uh, it's like 80 bucks for a year or something like that. It's, it's worth it to me. The rules are different, really, even in the same airport. The rule can be different from, from week to week or day to day. But certainly airport to airport, they're different. And the TSA people never acknowledge that. They always act like you're just an idiot for not knowing whatever <laughs> it is they think they know. So I, I, I go to go through, I take out the metal stuff from my pockets, right? Mike got right. my phones out of my pockets. But as you know, I suffer from pretty terrible allergies. And so my pockets, and I wear uh, cargo pants, my pockets are bulging with Kleenex. <laughs> so I go to go through, and the woman on the other side of the metal detector <laughs> says to me, what's in your pockets? And I reach into my pockets, and as I'm doing so, I said, well, it's not metal, and then I took it out, these big wads of Kleenex and some dog waste bags. Okay. And I go, it's not metal. And she goes, no, but it's bulky. And <laughs> Wait a minute. There are signs everywhere, and they repeat the instructions over and over again into the PA. I, no one has ever mentioned bulk to me. I've never heard there's a bulk restriction. I think, boy, is she lucky that I didn't go through in the 80s with my shoulder pads. Because uh, yeah, those are bulky. Yeah, I had some bulky shoulder pads in the eighties. Just bulky. I just where? When did the new? But I I felt like she was more like a fashion security, yeah, than real safety. Also, if you try to go through with like plaid shirt and a floral print on your pants, they just won't let oh, you yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 you can't have. Well, that's yeah. that's at almost every airport. Definitely the ones in California. You can't have clashing patterns, even though that no. was in. It was for in a while. Brief. Yeah, uh, it was in briefly. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, no, but it's bulky, um, <laughs> which is apparently that's TSA speak for. I'm sorry, I was incorrect. 
Yeah, that's, that's ac- absolutely it. Yeah, that's the closest thing to an apology you're you're gonna get. Yep. Yeah. She realized she questioned you and then realized she didn't have a leg to stand on. Oh, speaking of which, oh my God, hold on, oh, I'm stitching. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh. You know, if we still did a cold open or a teaser, um, our listeners would know. But Paula had her leg bit off by a shark uh, right yeah. before the show. <laughs> but we don't do a cold open anymore. Uh, yeah. Or a teaser. Yeah. Oh. I just I, think it was just a bad <laughs> idea. Yeah, I'm using a cross stitch because I just think it looks nicer. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, look, it looks good. <laughs> um, hey, let's meet some of our other cast of characters uh, like we do around here. Um, let's go up to the Simi Valley and say hello oh to... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> ...to Bonnie Burns, your manager, um, our Captain Crinkle. Uh, Bonnie, what's up? Well, you know how Paul was about being at the airport, going through security. Um, you know, I have bad ADD. Were you talking about going through security or just being at the airport? I was talking about going through the airport. Oh, okay. No, there was security was there. TSA. Yeah. 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 Oh, security. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you didn't okay, hear sorry. that, Bonnie, because that was a long no, story. You know what? I think I have ADD. I have an appointment with the doctor. It's like I can't focus on anything. I'll go back and play something I saw like on TV. I'm like, I didn't see that. It's it's fleeting moments in my brain. I think I like tune out. It's really interesting that it's just now occurring to you that you have ADD, but that's great. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, I was at the airport the other day and uh, it was the first time I'd flown since, you know, COVID. So I'm in the line and everybody's talking about, oh, what a drag to go through these lines, so much waiting. And I see this sign that says, if you're 60 or over, you don't have to take your shoes off. And I think there was one other thing you didn't have to do. So I think, okay, great. So anyway, I keep my shoes on. I put my other stuff in the little box. I'm getting, and as I go over to go, I go, you know, they're probably not going to believe I'm 60. And I'll have to prove it to them. I walked right through there. Nobody said a word. How insulting. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they're not always vigilant. Just like when I got through with the shark down my pants. They're just, you know, they're a little ADD too. It just depends when you catch them. I guess. You know, I have a little story to tell. Speaking of, I don't know, have either of you told a story about airport security yet tonight? <laughs> no. Okay, that no. I know. I heard myself. I have a story. <laughs> you know, Bonnie, I actually feel a little better about myself now because I often watch you for, for reactions when, when I'm talking or when Paul is talking. It's good to know that sometimes you're just not listening. So we're not bombing. You're just not paying attention. Yeah, I think I'm listening. No, you're not. No, I don't think you ever are. Try <laughs> my hardest. We'll see what happens when I go to the doctor. You guys, okay. I almost accidentally told Bonnie the time of our support group meeting. <laughs> <laughs> she can come. She won't hear any of it. Yeah, um, she won't even notice. She'll think we're talking about somebody else. <laughs> yeah, that one sounds like a handful. Um, <laughs> all right, let's let's travel down to Sherman Oaks where our friend Tony Anita Hall. How you doing, Tony? It's good to see you. It's good to be here. Uh, I was in a wedding a couple weeks ago. My very best friend, Tracy, got married. 
To you? Aww. No, I was a bridesmaid. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I caught the bouquet. Hey. Oh. Really? I they did, did stuff like that? Yeah, I had to I had to hip check the flower girl for it, but other than that, it was good. So. She's young. Yeah. She she was bragging all day about how she was going to catch it, and I was like, no, I'm not letting her catch it. Wow. <laughs> Tony, how old was this flower girl? She was nine. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly no shame in that then, Tony. You know, it's so important to teach the nine-year-olds what life's going to be like when they become adults. So you just hip-check the kid out of the way to get the flowers. I mean, it wasn't That's... hard. I, it's just, I didn't mean to. No, no, no. <laughs> All day long, you had been pronouncing in your head that you weren't going to let that little no. kid get that no, She was bragging all day. All day. Yeah. yeah. She's well, nine. <laughs> No, I think this is absolutely right that you cut her down to size. And uh, <laughs> so that means you're going to be the next person to get married, Tony? Is I that guess. what that means? I guess. Yeah. yeah. And you well, did recently meet the uh, guy from Below Decks. Oh, there you go. Eddie Lucas. Can I be a bridesmaid at the Tony Anita Hall Eddie Lucas wedding? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can take out the flower girl with a BB gun if you want that for PayPal. <laughs> I don't. So I'm I'm safe to have... Uh, there'll be no, you'll get no battle for the, for the bouquet from me. Where was the wedding, Tony? Um, it was in Blowing Rock, North Carolina. Wow. Pretty. Boy, they get a lot of nerve even having a place called Blowing Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Adam. Hey, now that we've checked in a little bit, I wanted to make an announcement, which is that, uh, remember we did that, we did those contests where we had a Zoom party, where yes. the winner got to have a Zoom party with you and me. And 50 of, of their closest friends? Yes. We're doing it again. No. Yes, I'm announcing a new contest. I, I, you know, I get to do this sometimes. Um, if you want to have a Zoom party or have a chance to win a Zoom party with me and Paula and 50 of your closest friends, uh, you just got to get your name thrown in the hat. And to get the name thrown in the hat, here's the contest this time. You need to write in and list all of our book club books we've read so far in the order that we've done it. If you can, and the book club's been around for over a year now, so there's been several books. If you can name all of them in order and send them to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com, you could win our brand new contest. It's pretty exciting. This makes you eligible. Uh, this, this puts your name in the hat, in the running, to be selected for the Zoom party with me and Adam. Uh, and up to 50 of your closest friends. And by the way, no one has 50 friends, so don't worry about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, if, if you, it's up to 50. I should have said that. It made it. Yeah. I don't want yeah. people to feel pressure to go out there and make new friends, especially yeah, in these. Yeah, that's right. It's age. just not. Yeah, yeah it's not safe. Yeah. It's not safe. Um, yeah. Hey, but uh, speaking of book club, you know, nobody's have been writing in with their opinions of our list from the Studio City Library. So if you, um, we're going to be picking that pretty soon. So if you want to weigh in, then visit us on our Facebook page or any of our other social medias that will guide you towards the list of stuff, of books that were submitted by the librarians of the Studio City Library for our next book club entry. Or you could email us, mm -hmm. right? You could email us. That's uh, It's less convenient. Okay. Where would you do that? <laughs> well, you, you, you would first have to re-listen to a previous episode to find out the titles of the book or visit us on our Facebook page where the titles are listed. And then if you decide Facebook's not my thing, you could email us at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com with your opinion. 
Okay, I have a question. We might yes. not have figured this part out. Aren't we going to say what the books are so if people don't want to go to Facebook? They'll know them just by hearing this podcast. We have listed the titles of the books both last week and the week before. Right, but I think it'd be good since people are listening now to tell them again. I, I have them up here. Okay, go ahead, Tony. So Homegoing by Ya Jesse, The Hacienda by Isabel Cañas, If Beale Street Could Talk by James Baldwin, A Map for the Missing by Belinda Hoi Jen Tang, and The Hearts Invisible Theories by John Boyne. There's those titles. Send in your thoughts. And speaking of literacy, Paula Poundstone every week, I don't know if you've been paying attention or you've been kind of like Bonnie Burnsing during this part of the show, but for every every week for the last three years, Paula Poundstone has brought a vocabulary word to the show. Paula, is this week any exception? Adam, it isn't. I, I have a word. It's pule. It's a verb that means cry feebly or in a complaining way. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. I foolishly started giving my cats a can of food at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They start to pule at about 1.30, even though they still have dried food in their bowl. Puling cats? Pule is a great word. It's a great word. I wish I could grow a synapse right now that would connect it in my brain. It's a great word. There's plenty of use for it. Let's put it right into the old vocabulary song and hope that it takes... This week's word is spule. It's a verb that means cry feebly or in a complaining way. It's my turn. I want to play. Last week's word was asperity. It's a noun that means harshness of tone or manner. I'm sorry I can't get together today because I don't have you down in my planner. The week before that, the word was odium. It's a noun that means general or widespread hatred or disgust. The orange-lying insurrectionist narcissist thinks it matters if his hair is must. Going back before that, the word was ignominy. It's a noun that means deep personal humiliation and disgrace. I had a big serving when I lost the running race to Adam and Julie and Tony and probably Bonnie if she had done it. <laughs> Let's never forget Calamafri, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. Oh, my gosh. Tony Anita Hull, who is best known for being the loudest voice, if not the only voice, advocating for the construction of inexpensive housing using pipe cleaners. If you can, <laughs> without Googling, tell me which of the following might be part of an encomium. A former nobody listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word we will give literally dollars worth of advertising to... Good Books, the online and pop-up vintage bookstore in Atlanta, Georgia, which you can find at goodbooksatl.com. However, and I'd rather do a testimonial ad for no-leak undergarments than even think about it, 
But if you cannot tell me correctly, which of the following might be part of an encomium? We will not be able to give literally dollars worth of advertising to Good Books, the online and pop-up vintage bookstore in Atlanta, Georgia, which you can find at goodbooksatl.com. Tony Anita Hull, are you ready? Yes. Which of the following might be part of an encomium? A. Once you begin to massage the top of the rooster's head, they relax, allowing you to apply the lubricating oil to the dry comb. B. How unfortunate for you, Mr. Bond. You can either go for a refreshing swim in this pool of sharks that we forgot to feed <laughs> today, or Mr. Tim can drop you home from his plane at 12,500 feet. <laughs> C. For hard work, thinking outside the box, in fact, way the fuck outside the box, sometimes her thoughts haven't even seen the box, never finding a problem she can't solve, devotion, creativity, ethics, and giving just the inspiration that you need when you need it. There is no better manager in the world than Bonnie Burns. Or D, do the people have problems? Or are the people the problem? Encomium. I'm going to go with the Bonnie Burns one. You have selected C. Congratulations, Tony Anita Hall, and congratulations, Good Books, the online and pop-up vintage bookstore in Atlanta, Georgia, which you can find at goodbooksatl.com. Encomium is a noun that means a speech or piece of writing praising someone or something. So, yes, the answer is C. You can contact Good Books, the online and pop-up vintage bookstore in Atlanta, Georgia, which you can find at goodbooksatl.com and let them know what kinds of books you're interested in and they'll curate a selection for you. That's Good Books, the online and pop-up vintage bookstore in Atlanta, Georgia, which you can find at goodbooksatl.com. Well done, Tony Anita Hull. Congratulations. Oh my gosh. I was on the edge of my seat on behalf of Good books. We'd had a dry spell. We'd had a couple of, uh, you know, failures to launch in these last couple of weeks. Uh, so I'm glad yeah. that we're finally able to promote a bookstore. Yeah. Any number of bookstores have gone entirely under in the last few weeks as yeah. a result of being unable. <laughs> Lives were destroyed. Careers were ended. Students didn't go to college. Nothing to worry about. Nothing Nothing to take too, too, too to heart. Uh, yeah, anyways. Tony, for you, it's just a game anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what do you care? You're getting married soon because that nine-year-old was unable to get the uh, the bouquet. And by the way, thanks to Tony, that nine-year-old gonna die a spinster. Yeah, uh, that nine-year-old, by the way, who owned a small bookstore that we were unable to promote. Very Man, her life sad. has really gone to shit in the last Very week. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said, "Music." is the universal language of mankind. And although there are lots of dictionaries for that universal language, there's never been a thesaurus. Where's my musical thesaurus? Well, guess what? We got you thesaurus right here when we come back. Adam! Yes? 
One in five Americans have learn a new language on their bucket list. And the sixth one has start a podcast. If that's you, <laughs> make 2024 the year you finally checked learn a language off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. Don't do it. Or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Ugh. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. And Paula, I got to say, I really appreciate the whole like getting phrases that are important to know in that language right away, like how to order food, how to ask for directions, how to speak to merchants. And yeah. I really yeah. dig more than that, the speech recognition technology, because even if some of our listeners think that I have a weird cadence when I am attempting to speak Spanish, <laughs> I, am, I am speaking it well enough for the Babbel app to understand what I'm saying, at least when I do it right, like this. Listen to this. Adios, Carlos. Ya te vas. Sí, es tarde. Entonces, buenas noches. Hasta pronto. I don't think you have a weird cadence. I think it sounds great. Thank you. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Yikes. And their football team is fantastic. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Is there some kind of special? Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription. Wow. But only for our listeners at babbel.com slash nobody. If I'm not mistaken, Paula, that is 55% off at babbel.com slash nobody. The one spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. And then you just add a slash and the word nobody. And it's 55% off? Yeah. Wow. Rules and restrictions may apply. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Adios. Hey, everybody. As longtime listeners know, when Helix Mattresses first started sponsoring our show, Bonnie Burns somehow got the drop on me and made off with the first mattress. But in the intervening years, I have gotten myself a Helix mattress. I've had it for almost a year now, and it has improved my sleep. It has improved my life. I could not be happier. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, which I have, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, which is a mattress designed just for big and tall sleepers, and they even have mattresses made just for kids. Now, if you're like me and you were a little nervous about trying it online, or like Paula, who was screaming in fear of buying a mattress online, don't be. The Helix Sleep Quiz takes into account your individual sleep preference to match you and your partner with the perfect mattress. I took the quiz and I ended up with the great mattress for a side sleeper, the Helix Midnight Lux. Take my word for it, everybody. The Helix Midnight Lux. Oh, don't want to take Adam's word for it. I don't blame you. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and... 
two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula and use the code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Paula. Paula, I invited you over, but (laughs) fell asleep. Helixsleep.com slash Paula. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey guys, it's Adam, and tonight is January 3rd, and I am picking Giannis Antetokounmpo to score less than 36 points, and James Harden to score more than 16. Why? Because I like beards. Am I putting a lot of money on this? I am not, because I'm not really a gambler, but I am having a lot of fun with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, who I would lose to, you pick more or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in, or in my case, not. So I don't bet a lot. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey had a 10.5 combo of three points made, plus receptions. Do I get that? Kind of a little bit. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. So, it's like an insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com nobody and use code nobody for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's prizepicks.com nobody and use code nobody for a first deposit match of up to $100. And then drop by and see how I did with the Greek freak and Harden again on January 3rd. My hopes are not that high. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. On this day in unremarkable history, Debbie McKee, known as Little Debbie, said, No thanks, I don't want dessert. We're back. Thank you, house band Justin Bracobian on that toy piano. Coincidentally, same last name as our producer, Julie Bracobian. That's a freakish coincidence. Now, um, Paula Poundstone, uh, y- you look a little jittery today. Can I be honest with you? And it's not just the shark. Uh, well, that'll set you on edge, having your legs sheared off by a shark that dropped down from your ceiling. You know, Adam, I, I listen to the news and to podcasts that discuss the news pretty much all day long. And honestly, I am a nervous wreck. So Uh I've been forcing myself to listen to music on my flat thing while I do my chores. And I have to say, it it does help. Um, I have a lot of songs that I like on there, but I'm starting to have heard them enough for a while. And of course, I still haven't figured out how to get the damn Bono YouTube album off there. So I'm forced... (laughs) to stop and DJ a lot, which I don't really have time for. When my daughter comes over, she puts on Pandora. But what is that? It it, it plays songs that are similar to the songs that you like, but how does it know? Does a song counselor come spend time in your home to get a sense of your taste? Do do they ask your friends? Do they go through your high school yearbook? I I, I wish I knew someone who could tell me how that works. Someone 
someone who knew something about music, you know, someone who understood what makes music appealing or not, someone I, I could just ask instead of having these nagging questions in my head all the time. But I don't. No such person exists. And if they did, I'd never meet them, no matter how many coffee shops I sat around in and looked curious. I'm just not that lucky. Well, that's a pity, Paula. I guess we'll just uh, move on to our mailbag segment then, huh? Okay. Sounds oh, good. No, 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 no. Wait, wait a minute here. I just realized, oh, silly me, um, that right here in front of us, our guest today is the exact someone who you are looking for. What? That's true. Critically acclaimed composer, pianist, musicologist, and the architect of Pandora Radio's Music Genome Project. Please welcome musical expert, Nolan Gasser. Welcome, Nolan. Wow, that's a great intro. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. We sound like such a robust crowd when we applaud and cheer, don't we? (laughs) It sounds like you're... You're, you're, you're going over to a subset at a nursing home. Um, <laughs> Nolan, first of all, thank you so much for being here. And second of all, how did Pandora come about and, and what role did you play in it? Oh, my goodness. Well, great question. Uh, I'm going to take you back 22 years to the year 2000. Oh, my God, I look good. Yes, as did we all. So I was at Stanford working on my Ph.D. in musicology um, and I thought my career was going to go into the academic route, but I got an email from a, a guy named Tim Westergren, also a Stanford guy. And Tim and a, and a couple of other guys had just come up with this idea. Let's create a company. They called it Savage Beast Technologies. This was, again, 2000. So everyone was throwing money at everything that had dot com at the end of it. Um, And the idea was, let's do a better job of making recommendations by basing it on what's going on in the music itself. If we analyze the music and put that information in a database, we could make better recommendations than the radio stations do or Tower Records, those kind of bins in the front when you walk in. Um, The question was how to do that. And I was at the right place at the right time with a, you know, with a PhD uh, almost minted in musicology. And so Tim and I met and he offered me the job to run the music department at the Savage Beast Technologies. They had come up with this name Music Genome Project, kind of a almost a cute play on words from the Human Genome Project, which was all the rage at that time. But what was this music genome project? That they let uh, to me to figure out how to break down a song into its individual factors, individual genes. And that's what is the basis of what became Pandora a few years later. What a great offer. You should have taken that job. I thought about it, and so I did, yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) What an amazing idea just for somebody to come up with to begin with. All right, so these genes, genes in songs, what do you mean by that? Yeah, well, it is a metaphor, and I'm sure that all the biologists out there are, you know, shaking their fists, saying, how dare you call them genes, and how dare you call this a genome? There's no life evolving and genes mutating. So it's a metaphor. By the way, Nolan, we have shitloads of biologists that listen to our show. Uh, We actually do have a Yeah. (laughs) There's, There's probably our strongest demographic, I would think, is in biologists. 
Well, to them, I offer my sincere apologies for the the uh, unapt <laughs> metaphor. But the idea is, and I actually, I try to take it as seriously as I could. So this is my thinking. We humans all have the same set of genes, about 20,000 genes. And the way that those genes are expressed in ways that I couldn't explain to you, but the way that those genes are expressed makes us who we are. So our genes are expressed in a very similar way to our parents, to our siblings, not so similarly to people that we've never met before. But even those people have some similar ways in which their genes are expressed, you know, whether they are good at music or good at golf or have, you know, blue eyes or they're tall or short or whatever. So you, if we wait can a minute, think of, back up. You think yeah. people are genetically good at golf? Well, not I'm not. I would just assume that <laughs> somebody is. A lot of uh, Biologists, music, music uh, psychologists, and so forth, and neuro, neuroscientists have wondered: Is there a music gene? Is there a part of our brain which actually allows us to understand music? Is there something that differentiates music from language in our genes? That's a whole other topic of conversation, but Ooh, wow. it does relate to the fact that we have evolved to appreciate music. That's something which I think we should celebrate. It's not an accident that we all love music. We have evolved over our many millions of years and so forth that we have the ability to understand, to appreciate, to experience, to feel, and to have music be part of who we are. This is where it's it comes back to being a metaphor because when we talk about music genes, what we're doing is that we're breaking down songs. Imagine a song is like a form of life and we created the rock species and the jazz species and the classical species. And as the head of the music operation at Pandora, I listened to and studied all, all this music and thought about it. How can we define every dimension, every factor so when it comes to rock and roll, for example, everything from Buddy Holly to uh, Eric Clapton to Pink Floyd to, you know, Michael Jackson and Van Halen and, you know, you name it, that falls under this rock rubric, how do, what are all the individual factors that are at play? If we can define those, it's like defining all the genes that make up the human species. Then each one of those genes can be coded, can be expressed, by a trained musician and it's that information that becomes part of the database that that became pandora and the music genome project but what are those things let's take rock and roll what am i liking about a van halen song and how does that help pandora what does pandora pick from that some of the genes are related to the different instruments so there's a gene for the saxophone and for the trumpet and for the guitar and it is an electric guitar is it an acoustic guitar and then if it is an electric guitar so if that is marked if that is scored how distorted is that guitar right so huh. is it a clean is it a clean guitar uh sound like maybe you know tom petty or something or is it a really distorted like eddie van halen often would use so that's one thing what about the chord progression that's used is it a really complicated chord progression that you'd find in steely dan is it that kind of rock or is it like blues based three chord progression that repeats over and over again is is there a solo well yes eddie van halen would like to take solos 
Uh, what about David Lee Roth's voice? Is it like a smooth voice like Lionel Richie? No, it's a kind of gritty voice. So how do we capture the nuances of uh, his voice or any singer's voice? Uh, how virtuosic is the solo, et cetera, et cetera. These are all, all of these are genes that every song has a role in defining on a, on a small level, a medium level, or a large level, or no level at all. If there's no electric guitar, that gene is blank, right? Right. So if there's one song that I like, that's not enough for you to tell me what other songs I might like, right? That's a great point. Yeah. So one song a musical taste does not make. But why not? Because that song has has genes, right? <laughs> why wouldn't, like... Hmm, let's see. One of my favorite songs is Led Zeppelin's Fool in the Rain. So what, what genes do you find in Fool in the Rain? First, we would capture Robert Plant's uh, voice. We would capture John Bonham's drumming. We would capture, you know, the, the, the approach that Jimmy Page takes it. We would, we would capture the story of the, of the lyrics. So that is giving us a clue into what you like. One song, okay, we're starting to get an idea. It's like going on a first date. You kind of know somebody to a small degree. You go to a second date, you know them more. And that's why Pandora, early on, we came up with the idea of the thumbs up and the thumbs down. So if you say, oh, I really love this song, we're saying, what's going on? Okay, there's kind of a great guitar solo. You know, it's kind of virtuosic. It has this kind of chord progression. It uses sort of a, an English folk influence, right? Uh, it's sort of, the, the lyrics have kind of an, a, a reflection of mythology. So, all right, so then if you say that there's another song that has similar, you know, a Donovan song or whatever, it's something that else has, you know, something similar to it, now we're starting to create a genomic profile of your taste, uh, at least in that. You're looking for that Venn diagram of right. what the person liked and the more, the more songs you have, the more you can find what those elements are. What if it was just songs that begin with um, the word fool? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, fool on the hill. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm a fool for you. Would your Would uh, your system <laughs> pick up on that eventually? Not really, because that's what you call sort of metadata. That's like you know what label is it on, or who was the producer? It's a, it's a fact about the song, but it's it's not the music itself. What Pandora really tried to uh, focus its energy on was defining what's, as I say, under the hood of the music. Uh -huh. What's going on, you know, the fancy term is musicology. What is the, what are all the manifestations of the musicology in this song? What is the melody doing? How does the harmony behave? And how can we use those genes to kind of quantify? I love your idea, Paul, about the Venn diagram. That's exactly right, because nobody, like you know likes just one thing and and you know we could like something in the morning but never want to hear it at night so our musical taste it's a many splendored thing but uh understanding where your taste lies allows pandora to make better recommendations when you start with something that you know you love were you able to find people that like the pina colada song 
and just isolate <laughs> them and not talk to them anymore? <laughs> yes, we had a special channel just ju- just for them, and uh, yeah. we gave them lo- lots of air supply and you yeah. know Barry Manilow, and we and we kept them happy. It was kind of a form of sedation, just um, sort of a pool filter, if you will, just to, yeah. just to uh, keep them out from the general yeah, population. Yeah, are the people yeah. who like that that god awful uh, country. Uh, faux patriot song that Trump plays at his rallies. That would be a good way of just skimming them out. Do you take into account how smart or stupid the lyrics are? I, I know that's super subjective, but there are some some bands that I just can't listen to because their lyrics just are are terrible. Well, you know, one of the things that I believe and we tried I tried to put into the genome is just the general notion is there's no such thing as good or bad. Um, it's only good or bad if it's good or bad to you. Do you take that back when it comes to muskrat love? You know, uh, obviously <laughs> the captain, you know, the, the, the captain, or maybe it was to when they wrote that, somebody must have thought this is a beautiful song. Yeah. And they got a lot of people to join in. It did sell a few, a few copies. So you know, as I say, you know, you know, back in the 18th century, they would say this is a proper good piece of music. If you like this, you have good taste. And this is like, you know, bad music. This is mediocre music. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's good. There's a, one of my favorite quotes is from Mark Twain, or at least he was supposed to have said it, is that the music of Richard Wagner is better than it sounds. <laughs> Right. So which means that we're all supposed to think that Wagner's music is beautiful and wonderful, but maybe I don't. Right. So it's better than it sounds. So a good lyric to one person is drivel to another. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't quantify technique. Obviously, you know, Robert Plant's lyrics are often very flowery. They're often hard to understand. They're, you know, they use you know, Tolkien mythology, and, and there's a lot of lyrics. I think of someone like Bob Dylan or Elvis Costello, these, you know, these great poets, right? So their lyrics are often very sophisticated, whereas, you know, rockers, you know, whomever, that's not where their, their focus is, and it's just, you know, having a good time. Right. Um, so we can say that the lyrics of The Hard Rain is Gonna Fall by Bob Dylan is more sophisticated than a whole lot of love or than, you know, muskrat love. But it, that's a, a matter of technique, not necessarily a matter of quality. And that's what I'd say anyway. I think that um, Mark Twain quote was originally about our podcast. It's, <laughs> it's a lot better than it sounds. Much better that's than right. it sounds. But okay, you mentioned something earlier, the thumbs up and thumbs down. So somewhere along your your path of developing uh, Pandora came this idea, I guess, that there was feedback coming from the listeners. Is that right? That's right. Got you. Now, do you still work for them? No. So I left them back in 2010. So I was with them for the first decade, the formative years. Um, uh, I'm the architect of all the different genomes that make Pandora. So now that great, vast wealth of experience and knowledge... Uh, I'm hoping that you can bring it uh, right here to, to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, Nolan, because I'm trying to create a Christmas song that will be more successful than Mariah Carey's song. Wow. I'm at somewhat of a disadvantage because I know nothing about music. Okay. Uh, 
Honestly, I can't even tell you the notes to what I have so far because I don't know how to read notes. Um, so, so wait, Nolan, you, you wrote a, a Christmas song once yourself, right? Believe it or not, I did. Uh, as a nice Jewish boy to write, to write a Christmas song, actually. And <laughs> nice Jewish boys have written a lot of Christmas songs, as it turns out. Yeah, because you guys have more time available around that season. That's exactly. We're, we're, when we're done eating Chinese food, we write a Christmas song. So, yeah. uh, a good friend of mine, uh, a guy named Clark Sterling, uh, here in San, in the Bay Area, I live in the Bay Area, um, I said, you know, there's all these great Christmas songs, but there's no Christmas song about San Francisco. I think we should write one. And so he wrote a lyric called Christmas by the Bay. And he asked me to write the music. And and so I definitely took the approach, Paula, of that kind of more kind of traditional thinking like, uh, you know, the, the Christmas song, the Mel Torme chestnuts roasting on an open fire, these sort of somewhat jazzy, this kind of, you know, lush, you know, kind of harmonies, uh, kind of slow ballad, kind of feel good, you know, uh, let's put lots of, you know, wood in the, on the fire and, and listen to this kind of romantic Christmas song. So that was the approach I took, not the only one that you can take. And then we got this great singer, Tim Hockenberry, to record it. Oh, Mrs. Hockenberry's youngest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was back in 2004 and what are we 2022 that song is played every year here in uh, in the bay area on uh, on christmas radio and elsewhere uh, along the country so i have my little mini christmas hit oh nice so you've been training to, to supplant I, I, mariah carey with paula poundstone exactly I, my my aspirations were not that grand but i'm here to help well i'm trying not to think of you as a rival uh, given that no. you have this, uh, this no. song. I, we, no, 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 no. We no. can he's, be colleagues. He's got a good track record is what we're saying here. You know, Bob Marley once said, one good thing about music, when it hits you, you feel no pain. And then he added, wait, did I say music? I meant Novocaine. I always get them confused. <laughs> we'll be feeling no pain with Nolan Gasser and constructing a Christmas classic when we come back. The Cat of the Week is Rebate from Brookline, Pittsburgh. I am so happy to be back out on the road. I am vaccinated and fully boosted. I wear a mask until just before I hit the stage and I put it back on just after. And I want my audience to be masked and vaxxed. Do you know why? Because I never want to lose the opportunity to perform in front of a live audience again. It has been so much fun. I got no supply chain problems. I'm backed up with jokes. I'm the crazy Eddie of jokes. I got way too many. I'm practically giving them away. My flight was delayed the other day because I kept stepping behind the first class curtain saying, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Paula Poundstone and stepping through to tell jokes to the rest of the people in coach. Even when they duct taped me to the seat, I said, duct tape? Why would a duck have tape? Why not sloth staples? Well, I guess sloths would staple too slow and the staple wouldn't hold. Besides, sloths rules office work. You gotta come see me in a theater, just so I can get my dignity back.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jesus fucks. Get ready for the miracle of Mega, a comedy podcast from the staff of a fictional mega church. And, and not only does he fuck, but he's the best at it. I'm Holly Loren. And I'm Greg Hess. Our characters, Holly and Gray, welcome a new guest each week, played by some of the biggest names in comedy and podcasting. Like Scott Aukerman, Lauren Lapkus, Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis, Cecily Strong, and Duncan Trussell. I just love to think about that, the light shining down on all those corpses in the water and Noah just going by and maybe, maybe a mom being like, please, we're running out of energy. Can you please let us on the boat? It's completely improvised and it's devilishly funny. Is there any question you have for us about, you know, what it means to live a life in Christ? I guess, how much do you think is bullshit? There's a new episode every Sunday. Listen and subscribe to Mega, wherever you get your podcasts. Best I ever had. Best I Y'all can do it. Y'all can do it. Y'all sing along. We, you know what I'm saying? Go, Jesus, you the best. Jesus, you're the best. You the best. Jesus, you're Jesus, the best. You the best. Oh, okay, best never mind. I ever had. Best wow. I ever had. to talk to Trump. Talking to the former president can be difficult, but by practicing these suggested phrases in front of a mirror for just minutes a day, you'll be saying what you need to say to him with confidence in no time. Get a pen and a paper and write them down. Today's phrase is... What? Are you going to tweet about me? <laughs> and we are back with Nolan Gasser. Paula, it's time to get crafting like little elves as Christmas approaches. All right, Nolan, you, you must know from the algorithms and the computery stuff what elements will make a song popular, don't you? Well, as I like to say, if I knew what made a hit song, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be on my yacht in the Mediterranean. Uh, no, so, no, I don't think that's uh, true. I don't think know, that's true at all because we've had a lot <laughs> of people um, on the podcast that have been on their yacht in the Mediterranean. <laughs> um, Clearly, that is the golden chalice to be able to figure out the formula to write a hit song. Right. You know, you can obviously copy the previous hit song, but that doesn't mean that you're going to uh, write one yourself. It um, It's just something a little magical and mystical and ephemeral that, that you just happen to have that right magic formula. But that doesn't mean that you can't learn things from other hit songs. You know, you can kind of borrow a little bit of this, steal a little bit of that, and it, maybe it'll become a hit. You know, I can't guarantee it, but I will do my best to help you on that journey. All right. So um, on another episode with my friend Niall Ferguson, we sort of went over what were my perspective topics uh, within the umbrella of, of Christmas. And we collectively uh, felt that a cat Christmas song was probably a good way to go. Uh, I actually went to the trouble of getting <laughs> um, an electric keyboard, uh, partly because I'm hoping to 
get Josie and the Pussycats to uh, accept an audition tape from me, but also um, to help me work on this song. And I had originally started, you know, just sort of plinking out what I felt strongly was a very original composition. And then I was walking to the eyeglass place the other day and... And all of a sudden, so I, I just had this idea about how some of the lyrics should come together. And I started singing it while I walked. And then I recorded it because I don't write, know how to write notes. So I had to have it recorded. Um, then it occurred to me just before I fell asleep that night that I may have accidentally usurped the tune of Once in Love with Amy. So oh. it doesn't sound exactly like that, but it occurs to me that this, this, I'm probably here in very, very well-tread ground. I, I don't know that that's a good thing or a bad thing. It just is so. I know I'm going to do this very untunefully, uh, Nolan, so forgive that right off the bat, but here's sort of where I'm at. Cats are fools for Christmas. Doing the cats a Christmas jive. And I'll just bet you they'll eat your red poinsettia. And it'll be a Christmas miracle if they survive. Cats are fools for Christmas. Each one a furry little prize. They have a feline proclivity to drag Jesus from the nativity and knock over the three men wise. Cats are fools for Christmas. Cats mean Christmas to me. Santa can barely check his list before another one is pissed beneath the lit-up Christmas tree. Cats are fools for Christmas. Every home needs at least two. The one who looks like legs on a barrel will throw up on your gay apparel. And I wouldn't put those boots on if I was you. Cats are fools for Christmas. Not worth the trouble, some think. It's true the little one named Mabel will drag the turkey across the table. I chalk it up to natural instinct. Cats are fools for Christmas. They'll get stuck in your chimney flue. They'll fuck up your Christmas sweater. <laughs> but if it makes you feel any better, cats are fools the rest of the year, too. Woo! Wow. Yeah. I'm aware that that's a borrowed sound uh, at best. Well, there's only 12 notes, so it's there's everything has a connection to, to something else. So if it's too close to a song, uh, you could get sued, but it almost never happens. Uh, but from what I hear, I hear the main ba ba da 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 ba da 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 ba da 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 da. You know, that's it's what you've got. One of the first things you've got is something that is catchy. You've got a hook, right? It sounds so, I couldn't totally know if you're thinking of this more in kind of a jazzy style, like, like, or more, a little bit more of a pop or rock thing. Cats are fools for Christmas. Because the way you were singing it was a little bit, uh, you know, to it was a little bit out of tempo, a little bit kind well, of rubato. Well, I was singing it in a, in a very fear-driven manner, well. and uh, <laughs> uh, a very present, a very a very third grader doing an oral report manner. Um, actually, I'm hoping for something like uh, Vince Giordano and the Nighthawks, kind of old school, full with horns, big bandy 
sound. Yeah, I got that. That's the kind of the vibe. Ba ba da ba bum bum. And that's it. Like I say, I can still I can still sing it. And I'm not just you know saying that to be nice. It really is a it is a, a good catchy hook. And obviously, and then you're going down. You're kind of singing a little bit in the key of F there, with which is uh, you know pretty clear. You got excellent pitch, Paula. Was I in the key of F? Oh my gosh! You know, it kind of sounds like. A bunch of songs, but let me tell you a story. When Paul McCartney wrote Yesterday, he was convinced that it was another song. And he started playing it for everybody. He said, you know, I know I didn't write this. This is not original. And he played it for everybody and they said, no, I don't know what that is. So just because it sounds like it's familiar and like it should go this way doesn't mean that it's another song. Yeah, I think, in fact, George Harrison assured Paul when he heard it, no, that's as completely original as My Sweet Lord. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Paul McCartney. He stole that fucking yesterday song from me. Oh, uh, well, that well, there you go. So nobody knew your your original. That that's why he he got away with it. I had never wanted to be petty enough to to bring it up because you know who doesn't love Paul McCartney. But in fact, yeah, he did. He stole that from me. Now, the, so the one thing, it, just to give you my unsolicited, uh, you know, thoughts here. Yeah. No, we um, we are soliciting them, Nolan. That's okay, the whole point so of it. My, my solicited uh, <laughs> thoughts. The way that I heard it is uh, to use again a musicological fancy term is sort of strophic like it's basically one section over and over again right right then you go down to the low the low note and it just repeated that over and over again now it's it's catchy it's hooky the lyrics are great um, but it needs that thing where it switches, like, it, what is it called, a break, or what's it called? Yeah, it needs it needs a bridge, because a that is what, bridge. that is basically a refrain. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of pop songs, most pop songs, rock, pop, pop and rock songs, they'll begin with a verse, and then they'll launch into this kind of big chorus, or, or a, a refrain. But older songs, you know, jazzy kind of songs, often have the refrain right at the, at the top. I think that's what your song is. It starts off with the refrain, but then you go into a into a ba ba da ba da ba da 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 ba ba da ba 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 da ba da 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 ba da 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 da. I just sort of made that up as kind of a B section. It could be anything, but you kind of you go away from it. You know, it's like how can I miss you if you don't go away? You go to a second section, a bridge of sorts. Uh huh. And that can tell the story in a different sort of way. Then you come back to cats are full, fools for Christmas. And then you keep going and then and then you go to a, a solo. But just those two sections alternating your A, B, A, B, uh, or maybe A, A, B, A, A, B, something like that um, okay. is going to give it that kind of variety uh, that I think will really uh, make it really, uh, you know, work. All right, good. So I'm going to write a bridge. The British called it a um, release, which is, I think, a, a nice is a nice term. So it's sort a of release? a release. A release. Oh, it's a, a release. Oh. It's a release from the main the main hook. You got yeah. your main hook, and then you got a release from it, and then you go back to it. So it kind of leads you right back after, after mm -hmm. you've been released. Um, okay, Nolan, here comes one last question. Uh, this one's pretty easy for you, I think. What do you think of the book, Why You Like It, The Science and Culture of Musical Taste? 
I mean, it's been called a work of staggering erudition and breath, a gateway to music's exalted state by The Economist, and it's been praised by The Washington Post as one of those rare books that both geeks and casual listeners can enjoy. Should Paula and I check that book out? Uh, well, if you are nice people, then yes. If you, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're very nice. Then, then yes, if you're nice, if you know, and all your listeners who are nice should go out and buy that book. Oh, we have some very nice listeners. Nice, and also if you like music, uh, yes. Well, thank you for mentioning that, Adam. Uh, it took uh, three years of my life to uh, to write this that very big uh, tome, but it's everything you were you want to know about music, but we're afraid to ask. It's oh, fantastic. Why do I like uh, Fool in the Rain? It's uh, everything from culture to psychology to neuroscience to anthropology and evolution to the music itself so then in the center where the photographs are there's a picture of the people who still like the pina colada song there's three of them that's yeah. right <laughs> there's like there's three pages uh, right in the middle yeah. Yeah, with, with, with photos yes um that book is why you like it the science and culture of musical taste and it is by nolan gasser our guest Nolan, that was excellent. And now we're going to run all this fresh, hot information that you piped into this room, and we're going to run that through the old pouncinator. Paula? Nolan, that was excellent. And now we're going to run all this fresh, hot information that you piped into this room, and we're going to run that through the old pouncinator. Paula? House band Justin Berkobian on the toy piano, thank you so much for tinkling the old plastic for us on this episode. You sound fantastic. Now, if I could ask you to sound fantastic for a little bit more, I'd love some background music while I tell you what the old Pouncedinator spit out. Nolan Gasser, author, critically acclaimed composer, pianist, musicologist, and the architect of Pandora Radio's Music Genome Project, I can't thank you enough for being here. It has been so informative, and it's going to take my Christmas song to new levels. Look out, Mariah Carey. So I need a bridge, or as the British call it, a release. That's good to know that it's called a release in England, because I'm sure I'll be going all over the world with this song. And while I'm instructing musicians, I don't want the British ones just staring at me when I say we're going to take it from the bridge. The what? What did she say? Did she say we're going to a bridge? This is the greatest Christmas song ever written. I mean, it may be the greatest song of all time, period. And I'll do almost anything to be a part of playing in it, but I'm not going to a bloody bridge. It's cold out. No, she means the release. Oh, well, why didn't she just say so? So, the bridge. So, after the second part, uh, cats are fools for Christmas, each one a furry little prize. They have a feline proclivity to drag Jesus from the nativity and knock over the three-man wise. Now I change it up, uh... Uh, uh, I'm dreaming of a what? No, I, I, I think I've heard that somewhere before. No one says I won't get sued, but <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think so. Okay, let me clear my mind. So what if I go from, and I'll just bet you they'll eat your red points at ya, and it'll be a Christmas miracle if they survive. Santa baby. 
hurry down the chimney tonight. No. No, I don't think that's mine. Oh, and one more thing. A ring. No, that's coming a little too easy. That I, I don't think that's mine. All right, wait. I have to forget every song I've ever heard before. So I go from... Santa can barely check his list before another one is pissed beneath the lit-up Christmas tree. Two, here you come again, looking better than a body has a right to. Ah, fuck. Author, speaker, and critically acclaimed composer, pianist, and musicologist, Nolan Gasser, everybody. Thank you, thank you. Nolan, this was so helpful and so much fun. Thank you very, very it much. Sure was. You're very welcome, Paula, and I cannot wait to hear your Christmas hit and let me know if I can be of any help. Oh, oh, I'll be contacting you. <laughs> Excellent. Coming up, speaking of music, what about the sweet, sweet sounds that Paula Poundstone makes? The music that makes everyone gather round and hold hands and speak in one universal voice, begging her to stop. It's Mailbag Glockenspiel Edition when we come back. Species of mouse indigenous to Central America can sing almost a hundred notes, but to be honest, they're uh, they're a little pitchy. <laughs> <laughs> We are back. Thank you, Justin Berkobian. We should introduce you to Julie Berkobian sometime. Hey, it is time, Paula, for that very, very special thing. That thing that you and I both love. Oh, you mean... Mailbag! <laughs> oh! Glockenspiel edition. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What were you thinking? Oh, I, it's not anything we can talk about. I thought it was weird that we were going to... Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, not no, that. Shame on yeah, you, Paul. No, Poundstone. that's uh, get sorry, your mind. Sorry. No, my God. <laughs> get, I get my head back into the Glock. It's better. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, back into the Glock with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's time for mailbag. Glockenspiel edition. And, and you know, as always, we have an amazing amount of feedback from our beloved listeners. You guys, you've been sending stuff to Facebook, saying stuff on Twitter, sending stuff to nobody listens to Paul Poundstone at gmail.com. I and mean, we've collected them all. I want to say uh, I haven't read any of them yet, but I do know it's Glockenspiel edition. And so I'm sure that it's a lot of people expressing their love and admiration for the way that I've mastered. The Glockenspiel, and I just, I just yeah. want to thank everybody. I just, I would, I, I would hold on to that till the end. Um, no, no, Adam, I, I, that's no. This is the kind of thing that you, you, you know, you put out there. You don't want to live a life and not have thanked people. Yeah, you know, I don't want to. What if, what if another shark drops out of my ceiling? What if I die within yeah. the next few seconds and I don't get to thank the listeners for the way that they love and appreciate 
uh, the work that I've put into the <laughs> blockage bill. I just want to thank everybody. Yeah, uh, yeah okay. Um, feels a little premature, but... Adam um, <laughs> Fumble, it's not premature. People love Paula's glockenspiel. Uh, uh, they, uh, they, yeah. uh, they, they do. They love it. They love it. They love it the way that I loved uh, Captain Culpepper. Oh, your late husband. Oh, that's right. My late husband, Captain Culpepper. Died in the wars. Uh, no, he, he's not. He did not die in a war, uh, Adam Felber. He died from uh, tyrotoxism. Tyrotoxism? Yes, which is a poisoning from a, 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 a cheese or other dairy product. Of course, of course. You know, I knew that. I, I just, I think of him as such a valorous man that sometimes I, I think he died in he, combat. But He was valorous, but he didn't die at war. He died uh, of tyrotoxism, and, and uh, you seem to have a very faulty memory where it comes to my husband's passing. I, I, I do apologize. Uh, and, and so, hats off. We don't even need to know more details. Hats off to the Captain Culpepper, and let's get back to our show. Well, uh, actually, now that you mention it, uh, <laughs> I would like to say uh, it was the goat of the him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's bring up to the microphone probably the biggest fan of Paula's Glockenspiel playing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Tony Anita Hull is here for Mailbag. <laughs> Glockenspiel edition. Here we go. Tony, Tony and Nina Hall, we're so glad you're here for this uh, episode 217 of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone because uh, you're frequently off on your cruises and such. Uh, It is wonderful to have you back where you belong. I am happy to be here, Mrs. Culpepper. Uh, And you're here for what? What is it again you're here for? Mailbag. Lock and Spiel Edition. It's wonderful to hear you there uh, doing the... What is it again? Mailbag. Glockenspiel edition. Okay, so... All right. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody, Joyce White writes, I love your show, but hate that glockenspiel. I have have something called misophonia. Here's a brief description from Wikipedia. Misophonia is a disorder of decreased tolerance to specific sounds or their associated stimuli. Reactions to trigger sounds range from anger and annoyance to activating a fight or flight response. Oh my gosh. The glockenspiel just about sends me over the edge. Like when my roommate chews and swallows or someone types on a loud keyboard. I am not alone. P.S. Thanks for your support, Tony. Well, uh, <laughs> Joyce White, you must associate Tony Anita Hall, uh, who reads the... Tony, what does he read? Mailbag. <laughs> you must come to associate Tony Anita Hall with this sound that you don't like that creates your fight or flight response. So, Joyce White, what's it going to be? Fight? <laughs> I think it's going to be fight. Go ahead. Come at me, Joyce. Come at me. I got this. <laughs> Come on. Is that all you got? Is that all he you hates got? hates the glockenspiel, Paula. I'm bobbing and weaving right now. Go ahead. Try to hit me, Joyce. Go ahead. Try. You showed her. Oh. Well, I'm sorry, Paula. And, and to think after you thanked everybody, too. Yeah. Well, listen, Joyce, you have a roommate who chews and swallows and that upsets you? I got bad news for you. A lot of us are chewing and swallowing. In fact, I'm chewing and swallowing right now while I play... 
Oh my God! Would you look at Joyce fly? Yeah. <laughs> this time she chose flight. Hey. Yeah. Whoo! She's up there. There's lots of opinions out there, Tony. How about um? Did Kevin Prather weigh in, or is he just done with us at this point? No, Kevin is alive and well, and writes. I discovered nobody listens to Paula Poundstone about a year ago. And every Monday night... Wait, 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 just a second. Wait, Kevin Prather? He's he's written in? Yes. And where did you pull it? You pulled it out of the what? Mailbag. (laughs) Glockenspiel edition. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was confused. I didn't know where the hell it came from. So Kevin writes, I discovered nobody listens to Paul Poundstone about a year ago. And every Monday night, it has been appointment listening for me. I look forward to the absolute hilarity all week. And count me as one who believes there should be more glockenspiel, not less. Oh, Oh my God. Kevin Brother is a genius. <laughs> wow. The man is an absolute genius. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin uh, Kevin is a highly cultured individual, um, but also a man of the people. Uh, he's a guy who can get out and throw the football, but he's, he's just as comfortable flipping through the pages of Moby Dick. Uh, he's a sensitive wow. man. Uh, he's thoughtful. He's an excellent neighbor uh, and uh, and a musical genius. I cannot say <laughs> enough good things about uh, Kevin Prather. A lot of people have modeled themselves after. I mean, if you ever listen to like uh, an in-depth interview with Barack Obama, um, yeah. uh, you know, and they'll say, well, what influences have you had in your life? And he one of the first things he says is uh, Kevin Prather. Wow, uh, um, that's a lot of praise, Paula, for somebody who <laughs> complimented your glockenspiel uh, playing. Yeah, same thing. Martin Luther King, L.A. Um, mayoral candidate Karen Bass, uh, everybody. Just you know, who are your influences? Okay. Uh, right, uh, one of the first yeah. names, uh, uh, Kevin Prather. So I I enjoyed uh, how painful it was for Tony to read Kevin's email. <laughs> um, and speaking of which, Tony, where did you get that email? Yeah, where did that one come from, Tony? The mailbag. Glockenspiel edition. It certainly did. (laughs) As long as you're in there, Tony, how about Misty Nichols? Anything there? Uh, Sweet Misty writes, I will never forgive you if you get rid of the coda. Never. And (laughs) as far as the Glock, keep it. Full stop. Paula is the Glock and it is Paula. If you stopped now, my unborn nephew would never get the privilege of your glockenspiel. I would never forgive the anti-glockers. Here for all of NLTPP. Wow. That is another ringing endorsement. Misty, it's funny that your name is Misty because I am... (laughs) I am misting up just a little bit right now. Thank you so much because you're right. There are people who don't understand the glockenspiel. They just don't understand the the roots of it, the depth of it, the the, the connection. The so I just want to thank you. I want to thank you, Misty. Your nephew is one lucky unborn baby. I I do want to say, Misty, if we do manage to kill the Glock, um, your unborn nephew, once born, can listen to. Any of our shows archived, uh, you know. Yes. Yeah, there's a, there's a rich tradition of, of uh, 
playing old shows. We have listeners who've gone through it a couple of times. So, just saying, Paula could stop playing. The if Glock. we sunset that Glock, Misty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what's going to happen. I, not, I, you know I, what? I fear it's not. <laughs> as God is my witness, I will never stop playing this Glock and Spiel. Never. All right, Tony, <laughs> with that dire news, what does Amy Riley have to say about all this? Amy writes, Paula and crew, after listening to the most recent mailbag, I have to say, I love... Wait, wait, back up. I didn't hear what Amy said. Could you start that again? I'm sorry, Tony. I was distracted. <laughs> Paula and crew, after listening to the most recent mailbag, I have to say... <laughs> Lock and spiel edition. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I have to say, I love everything about NLTPP. I love Paula's cough so much. I turn up the volume to hear the coughing. Do I hate the glockenspiel? Yes. But I listen to it as it is part of NLTPP. And I accept all aspects of the show. Annoying, coffee, or ear-splittingly loud. Feedback. More Culpepper. Well, I'll tell you what, Amy Riley. <laughs> I, on behalf of Paula Peltron, I've never been so insulted in my life, I tell you. Insulted? I, I, well, I appreciate her value of, of me, Mrs. Culpepper, but sure. someone who hates the Glockenspiel, what, what kind of a... What kind of a heathen? What, where were you raised? Under a rock somewhere? The, wow. the glockenspiel is a beautiful <laughs> instrument, and Paula Poundstone has mastered it for the benefit of our listeners. Tony, Tony, you need a where did Wherever did you get such a, a message from Amy Riley? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, take some time, Tony, and think of it. <laughs> Tony, honestly, you couldn't have just dug that up out of nowhere. It was in the mailbag. Oh, shit. Wait. <laughs> Fuck. Terrible. Glock and I was so excited that I couldn't hit the right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now, now Paula, yeah. I, I will say that, that Amy did did endorse the show. She just doesn't like your Glock playing. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine, Amy. That's just fine, Adam. That's fine. Okay, fine. Okay, I'm just saying. You'd think you'd be offended because she didn't even mention that you're on every show, and you are, Adam. (laughs) Oh, yes, that's true. I am on every show. So, Paula, you know what? Can you hold that glockenspiel up so that I can see it? (laughs) See, now this is something I've been meaning to say for two years now. That's not a real glockenspiel. Yes, it is. No, it's a kid's glockenspiel. It's it's just no, one. If, they, if this was not a real glockenspiel, could I do this? Yeah, yeah, you could, you could. It's a toy glockenspiel. It it only has the eight notes of the major scale. I played the glockenspiel in marching band in high school. Oh bullshit! You did not. I did. <laughs> no, you taught improv to the glockenspiel in high school. I didn't know improv in high school. So I mastered I... the glockenspiel for our listeners, and all of a sudden Adam Felber played the glockenspiel in high school. I did. No, you I, didn't. in fact, did. No, fuck you. My no, band you teacher, Mr. No. Pollitt, is still with us and would happily come on this show to talk about my glock playing. Oh, my God. No, I talked to him recently. And he <laughs> you said did not. Was... <laughs> I, yes, I, I talked did. talked to Mr. Pollitt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. He contacted me. Uh, he via didn't. My... 
Yes, he did. He contacted me and uh, <laughs> via my public email. And uh, he said that they're, you know, I mean, he and I have become close, but he, I, I said, would you come on the show? And he said, is Adam still there? I said, yes, of course. And he said, no fucking way. No way. He, he loves said, that me. Guy. He said, that guy. <laughs> and by the way, he said you played the gong. So. I <laughs> did not play the gong. Okay. He said you, you played know, the marching gong. Yeah. Absolutely false. I don't know why Ken Paula would say that, but now I'm no longer his friend. I'm going to unfriend him on Facebook tonight. Hey, uh, Tony, reach back into that mailbag. Oh, wait. Oh, hold it. Hold it. <laughs> Fake glockenspiel edition. <laughs> <laughs> and read us just one more email. This one comes from our good friend, Heidi. Hi. Heidi writes, I'd really appreciate it if you wouldn't continue your current trend toward painting me as an adversary. I am a pure, unadulterated fan of Paula's. I also love the show with only a few comments. Even though I know I'm sort of a cartoon at this point who inspires a few unkind comments in that role, I am still a real person with feelings and a huge fan. Thank you so much. You know what, Heidi? Uh, well, I don't think of you as a cartoon character. I think of you as someone who would prefer that we do shorter promotional uh, <laughs> segments, uh, but not as a cartoon character. But um, you know what? Point taken. I'm sorry to hear there's been any unkind comments, and you will find me, Heidi, to be your biggest defender. So, there. Nobody should be making unkind comments to you. You are a valued member of the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone community. Heidi has somehow fallen into the role of the FBI to the right. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is, that is not how we view you. And again, uh, my sincere apologies, uh, Heidi. We are changing our tune here today, right in the midst of what's this segment? Uh, mailbag. Lock and spiel edition. And Heidi, we would go on and on about how much uh, we love you, but Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that was fun. Hey, nobodies, if you have questions or comments, want to mention something about me that's not just my attendance, send us a line at <laughs> nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Hey, Paula. Um, what's going on in your Poundstone product empire this week? Well, Adam, the work goes on at Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated. As you know, I've hired the very prestigious publicity firm, Cynthia Cryer Public Relations, to really add horsepower to ticket sales at my theater dates and product sales at the shop at paulapoundstone.com. Cynthia herself has taken a personal interest in my career, and the transformation has been amazing. Although I'm not a household name around the world, I've certainly been able to take off my name tag around my house, which is exciting. Cynthia has gotten me a lot of television interviews recently. She says fans like it when celebrities open up. So, like, on Thursday, September 22nd, I'm going to be in Ridgefield, Connecticut at the Ridgefield Playhouse. So I did an in-depth, intimate interview on Ridgefield tonight, and I cried when I talked about the cat toys. They're really going to fly off the shelf now. The Poundstone Pussy Pillows, personally autographed to people's cats. 
I just can't even talk about them anymore without getting a little emotional. All of these episodes, I've been promoting these catnip stuffed four inch by five and a half inch pillows with a grommet so you can attach a string to it. And I didn't even realize how much I was holding back. So on Saturday, September 24th, I'll be in Concord, New Hampshire at the Capitol Theater, which I am so looking forward to. I just broke down during my interview with Renna Williams on the popular local magazine show, Concord Live. I was just choking with sobs. I could barely even talk. That show is going to sell out, I'm sure. On Saturday, October 1st, I'll be in Portsmouth, New Hampshire at the Music Hall. So, of course, Cynthia got me an interview on Portsmouth is Talking. And I just wailed from the minute I came on. I couldn't even get to the couch. The Music Hall in Portsmouth, New Hampshire may end up selling standing room only on Saturday, October 1st. Listeners can go to the tour page at paulapoundstone.com for tickets and go to the shop at paulapoundstone.com for Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Hooded Sweatshirts, my book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, and Poundstone Pussy Pillows. There's more, of course, but... Heidi. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Paula. um, I just want to say that that was really brave. That was really, really brave. Thank you. to, To open up like that. Um, yeah, you should do the same thing, Adam. About Deadbed Land, if you would just about what Deadbed Land. Your what's that? Your rival podcast. The, well, the, I don't think it's the, a rival. It's just another. It's podcast. the other woman, so to speak. If you just go to her, just fucking go to her. Go to Deadbed Land. We don't care. No, I don't. Go. I don't. I don't need to, Paula. I, I'm happy here. I like it here. On nobody listens yeah. to Paula Poundstone. Yeah, right. But, Dad Bandland does scratch an itch that this show doesn't, which is an in-depth exploration of popular music from the point of view of a local cover band, which I play in, Paula. I play in one. <laughs> Adam, oh my God. I can't believe we're both pod- crying like this. <laughs> if you want a podcast about music, by God. You've no, got it right here enough. and nobody listens like to it. Paul It's just not enough for me, Paula. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we had this talk. I feel like we really made a lot of progress here, Paula. I think we did. Oh. All right. Okay. Well, Paula, then we've come to that point in the podcast where we ask the question, did you use this week's vocabulary <laughs> word, pure, which you could have any time over the last 10 minutes while you were crying, Fuck, correctly during the show? i and puling, and you I have forgot been to say puling. Pule. Oh my God! I if am, you've done I am it, the well, poster child for puling on this episode, <laughs> and I forgot. Sorry. Well, sorry. Well, if you've oh. used the word correctly, we have we will be treated to a little bit of the amazing share, and you'll get to mail her a check for one dollar. But if you haven't, we'll hear from our own resident psychic, Share Eva. So let's ask the big question: Did Paula Poundstone <laughs> use this week's vocabulary word correctly during today's show? I knew it. I knew it. Well, as Shariva predicted, apparently, Paula. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm just kind of vulnerable right now for this sort of thing. <laughs> I know. It's amazing that you spent five minutes puling and didn't say pule. Oh, my God. <laughs> I might have to take next week off. I understand. Just, just to... 
just to recover from all this puling. No, we're not taking any weeks off, people. Remember to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. It's free. If there's a subject or topic you want to know about, tell us. We're at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com, and that is our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Nolan Gasser. Hey, everybody, remember to buy Nolan's book, Why You Like It, The Science and Culture of Musical Taste, at your local bookstore, hopefully one of the independent ones. Thanks to our house band, Justin Berkobian. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Julie Berkobian. Edited by Vic Lowry. Starburns production by Land Romo. Transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Hey, Adam? Yeah, Paula. Is it too late to use peel in a sentence? Yeah. yeah it <laughs> Shit. It was right there hanging in front of you. Oh, my God. I have such memory problems. You know, I've sent Cher, I don't know how long we've been including that feature, but I've sent Cher two checks for a dollar yeah. now, and so it's really well, adding up. And, uh, well, it's two it's dollars. It's not adding <laughs> up. Really. Yeah, it's, it's really adding up. Um, you know, I make them out to share. I don't. I don't know her. I don't know if that's her legal name. I think probably at this point she probably made it her legal name. I think you're on, on safe ground. Has she cashed them yet? I don't know. I didn't. I haven't looked into it. I just. It's well, well Paul, you're I, you're wrecked. But you know, your memory's not that bad. No, it's pretty bad. Well, I don't know. No. I just got a text from Bonnie saying I think we should start this show. Yeah, she's not. Oh. She, she's. <laughs> what is happening? Uh, thank you, Edward, for saying that my memory isn't that bad. Thank you. Uh, it's Adam. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and thank Edward for me. I, 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 we don't know an Edward. <laughs> I forget who it was who liked me coughing, but this is dedicated to her. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're, you're taking requests now. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gonna have a show soon that's just all bodily sounds. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone's bodily sounds. A podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network. Hey, everybody. As longtime listeners know, when Helix Mattresses first started sponsoring our show, Bonnie Burns somehow got the drop on me and made off with the first mattress. But in the intervening years, I have gotten myself a Helix Mattress. I've had it for almost a year now, and it has improved my sleep. It has improved my life. I could not be happier. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, which I have, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, which is a mattress designed just for big and tall sleepers, and they even have mattresses made just for kids. Now, if you're like me and you were a little nervous about trying it online, or like Paula, who was screaming in fear 
of buying a mattress online? Don't be. The Helix Sleep Quiz takes into account your individual sleep preference to match you and your partner with the perfect mattress. I took the quiz and I ended up with the great mattress for a side sleeper, the Helix Midnight Lux. Take my word for it, everybody. The Helix Midnight Lux. Oh, don't want to take Adam's word for it. I don't blame you. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and... Two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula and use the code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Paula. Paula, I invited you over, but (laughs) you fell asleep. Helixsleep.com slash Paula. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 